Welcome. This is Out of the Ordinary Books, where we believe that the books we read help us better understand the lives we lead. I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy. And every week we share an Out of the Ordinary book and how it can help you make sense of your story too. These aren't book reviews or recommendations. These are conversations about some of our best friends, worst enemies, toughest coaches, most passionate lovers, and kindest teachers that line our bookshelves. We hope these conversations help you see the deeper story hidden right in plain sight in your ordinary life, too. Get comfy. Here we go. Well, today's monumental for two reasons. Both you and I have something special and new in our lives. We will begin with mine. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You go first. (laughs) Me first. Me first. Because of the space where I am recording, I am currently for the first time in my entire working life sitting in an office space of my own that is not in a church basement or a school or the dining room table or Panera, Christy. I am sitting in my little writing shed, which I do like that you told me we have to stop calling it a shed. (laughs) Right, because it's too beautiful for a shed. When I saw your Instagram stories where you were, they were putting in the floor, that beautiful dark wood look floor, I was like, oh, oh, not a shed, not a shed. (laughs) (laughs) It's felt like a shed in my mind for so long. So dear Mm -hmm. listener, I wish we could have you over. We had this little shed on our property. And when we moved in six years ago, our plan was to convert it into a office space for me. But as time passes, and there are many other projects and expenses to do with children, the shed just got put on the back burner until finally um, this spring, my husband and I decided it was time. And so a writing shed slash cottage, Christy says I should call it the writing cottage, was (laughs) born. And today I'm not sure of how the sound is because I'm sitting in this space. I have a desk and a carpet and a chair and that's about it. I have a little tiny... succulent on my desk and it's actually I'm going to show it to Christy as we speak because it's so cute look at this it's in a little espresso cup cup. (laughs) oh that is adorable so it's a tiny espresso cup with a little succulent on my desk for a move-in day from my family Um, but it's just really special to have something new here in the season and I know you have something new you shared on social media for the first time. And it has prompted us to start a little series that will pop up occasionally here on Out of the Ordinary Books. And we are calling it Behind the Books, which I hope (laughs) is now conjuring for some of you an image from like, when was that? Like the early 90s when VH1 would do... Yeah, the early 90s. Yeah, like Behind the Music. And then they would have those pop-up videos where Millie Vanilli is singing and then little bubbles would pop up explaining like how the song came about or how the grand, you know, the group split up or how, you know, if they are, um, who was, was it, was it Millie Vanilli who had their Grammy taken away from them because they were lip syncing? The the lip syncing controversy. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So like, like behind the music, we are introducing a series here that will pop up from time to time called Behind the Books. And I think it's super appropriate that the first Behind the Books story is one from us because Christy shared, drum roll please, (laughs) this week. It is. It's so 
exciting and totally unplanned and wonderful. And yes, so on Friday, uh, if you're on my email newsletter list or you follow me on social media, you would have seen that I shared some really big news. I shared the cover of my next book, which is called Garden Maker, Growing a Life of Beauty and Wonder with Flowers. And I'm looking at the cover right here, holding it up. Oh, I'm going to show Lisa. You showed me your plant. I'll show you my book again. I love it so much. (laughs) And it's, yeah, it's now available for pre-order. And um, I'm so excited to start talking about it. And um, yeah, just sharing the cover was kind of the, the first step in that. And I'm I'm really grateful that um, the response has been so enthusiastic, and I know it has a lot to do with the cover and the cover image and the cover design. So I know we'll talk about lots of behind the books things today, but I know that's going to be a really important part of the conversation. And there's a story there, and that story involves you, Lisa Joe, which I know, I know you know. But. You know how happy I am about this. I have this thing <laughs> that when my, I don't know if it's the Enneagram 2 in me, but when my friends do something meaningful that's like mm-hmm. in the public eye, I somehow want to be able to like claim a stake in it. Like I mm-hmm. want to be part of it. I want my name attached to the story. So I'm so excited that it is. But I'm going to first interrupt to say this. Listeners, please go to the link in our show notes and pre-order Garden Maker. I have done that. And I am Christy's friend who I'm sure will get a copy for free from her. But this is how we support authors and books that we love. We go and we pre-order them. And it is currently number one in several gardening categories on Amazon. I totally am like a stalker fan. I screenshot the Amazon stats and texted them to Christy last night because I'm so (laughs) proud. So proud of this book. That is really fun. I have to say, yeah, pre-orders are so important uh, that even my husband texted me from the other room and said, I just pre-ordered your book. Did he really? Oh <laughs> my gosh. I'm like Friday or Saturday. Yeah. Oh I was like, gosh. oh, thank you. Well, see, this is part of the Behind the Books series because part of what we want to do here is just let you into some of the fun, like nerdy, you know, fictiony fan stuff behind the scenes. I'm a a sucker for that. So if, you know, if I get to watch Hamilton, what I really want to know is like the behind the scenes. I think I watched a two hour PBS documentary on how they made Hamilton. Like give me any behind the scenes of my favorite artist or musician or writer, or I'll watch a behind the scenes type documentary on anything. I watched a (laughs) huge one on Ed Sheeran and how he writes music. I recently watched one on Lady Gaga. Like anytime a Netflix special comes out, Taylor Swift, I've watched it. (laughs) I just am really fascinated by people's lives, especially creatives and how they create. But I'll watch it on a politician. I'll watch it on pretty much anybody, a a kindergarten teacher who's changed the lives of children. I am fascinated on the stories that make up the people. And so Mm -hmm. it's really fun to do a little behind the books over here. We hope in the future to do this with some of our favorite authors that we'll feature here, just getting to share a little bit about how books come into being. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. how fun that you and I can start out with a story because we have some really good ones that are part of how Garden Maker and its incredibly beautiful cover came into being, which makes me think we have to describe the cover for people who are not looking at the book right now. Yeah, yeah, really good idea. Um, so the thing that is different about this book versus my previous two books, this is a very different kind of book. Right. Um, it is it it's it's what is known in the industry, and I'm gonna sound all professional. <laughs> it's known as a gift book. 
Um, I often call it like an art book. If or that's like a helpful. coffee table book is how I think of it. Or yeah, you might think coffee table book. Um, so it's it's not big. It's but it's chunky. So for me, it's like the perfect blend of like reading book and coffee table book, because it's beautiful like a coffee table book. It's full of most importantly photographs, full color photographs from my garden, photographs that, yes, I took myself, more about that later. Um, So in that sense, it's like a coffee table book, but it's chunky and fits in your hands. It's hard to cover. Yeah, it's also meant to be read. Um, There are, I've written all these essays um, about my personal experiences growing flowers and gardening, lots of how-tos as well to help you um, if you're new to gardening. If you don't know where to begin, I definitely, I didn't just want to inspire people to to garden, but to actually give them some tools so that they could actually begin to grow flowers. Um, So it's meant to be read. And so I think the size of it um, is good for carrying around and actually reading the book. So, um, so yeah, a gift book, art book, it's a special kind of book. And I feel really, really grateful to have been given this opportunity to create something that is so beautiful. So in addition to the cover photograph, I can tell you, Lisa Joe, and our listeners um, a little bit more about what they call the cover treatments, yes. which I think sounds like the book has been to a spa or something, <laughs> and it, it's come out with like <laughs> some fancy treatments, <laughs> like a little book pedicure. <laughs> I know. I do like its color palette. It shows well. Yes, it's a good color palette. It it will have this like really lovely. Um, I'm I'm like I'm gonna do a little sound. This is like podcast, like radio. I'm gonna do a little sound effects for the Ooh, microphone ASMR. Here. Can you hear that? Yeah, it's like um, it's got this textured surface on the cover that is so fun. Like makes you want to just like rub it and hold it, and it will have this really beautiful like fabric ribbon. Um, binding on on the outside edge. So it just has all the pretty little touches that I love about really beautiful books. And you know me, Lisa Joe, as someone who um, loves beauty, who uh, really believes that beauty is like one of the languages of God, um, to partner with Harvest House, the publishers, in creating something that is beautiful inside and out. Just I, I just feel really lucky, really grateful, and that much more excited to tell our listeners about it and, and can't wait for it to be in their hands. But yeah, the color palette, what, how would you describe it? Well, first I would say it's worth noting that there's no jacket. So there's no dust jacket. It has... It's printed right on the hard shell of the book. So it's really beautiful in that sense, too. And then it has this ribbon binding down the on the spine that is this rich plum color is what I would describe it as. And I love it because it's a book about flowers and gardening. But it, it sort of has those earthy colors to it, like fruit. Hold it up again so I can look at yeah. it more as we speak. So, yeah, I mean, I would say the main color in this palette is this rich, vibrant, plum purple color. Lilac and purples meet in this cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of uh, moody was a word I was often using as I described um, for the design designers at Harvest House, like what I was going for, or in the edits I sent in with my photographs, um, just, yeah, communicating that for me, the garden, the flower garden especially, is such a place of deep emotion, and um, the moodiness of, I think, this color 
palette on the front and the photographs inside. Um, I really wanted to tap into that, like a moodiness and a mysteriousness, like the mystery of the garden, that kind of beauty that is that sort of invites you in deeper and deeper um, is really what I was hoping for in the visual side of this book. So before you reveal what is actually on the cover, I think you should walk <laughs> them through the journey of some of the pictures you were initially thinking. And before yeah. we even do that, let us give them, our listeners, a frame of reference for how many photographs you had to choose from, because that's daunting. You took all these pictures and had hundreds. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, yeah. What's your thousands. estimate? Oh, I mean, I took thousands and thousands, thousands. and thousands of photos. Wow. And that, too, is such a fun part of the story because I was make, I was creating this book, writing it and taking the photographs during 2020. So the year when I was staying at home and when no one was visiting the garden here at Maplehurst, I was out there taking these photographs and documenting everything. And it's easy, pretty easy to just pop out in the evening and... I mean, in just a few minutes, a half an hour to all of a sudden have taken like 500 photos. <laughs> so I was doing that, you know, multiple times a week. And so, yeah, accumulating thousands of photos. And um, I, I came up with this little system that helped a lot. So I would, as soon as I downloaded any photos onto the computer, I would immediately just quickly look through them and give like a star to everything, like kind of a one star rating. You can do it on your little editing, on the Lightroom editing one star to everything that was like a possibility. So then it meant I was just sort of accumulating all these one star photos. And if something really jumped out, I would give it two stars. And so then when I first went back to edit, I would first pull up all the two star photos, start with those. And then if I felt like, well, but I don't have a good photo of the daffodils. And I would kind of go back and search through all the one stars and pull up the ones that were worth editing. So um, yeah, I had to kind of stay on top of the organizing because there's so many photos and then as part of that, I was asked to send in, you know, a very small selection of photos that that I felt had book cover potential. But I have to tell you, Lisa Jo, that was so intimidating to me because, so this is my third book, but I have never supplied the visual <laughs> material for the cover of one of my books. Right. I, and I remember you had our friend and amazing photographer, Chelsea, Chelsea come out yeah. to shoot the cover for your very first book, Roots and Sky. And I remember before that, your sister, Kelly, used to shoot photographs at Maplehurst for you to use on the blog. And so it, just personally, as your friend, it's been so fun to watch the progression of you now owning photography because right. I've always thought your eye is so gifted. You see it in your house, just the colors that you choose, how the house is staged and set up. You see it in the garden with the abundance of flowers and, and how all of those are created to really make frames. I feel like how you use the garden, how you use the flowers frame the garden and the house, the barn. And so to actually see you graduate to taking your own pictures is so exciting. And I remember asking yeah. you like, wait, so did you have to get a big camera? And are you, did you have, did you take classes? Like, what was that? <laughs> like, I know we keep going back and back in the story, but it's because I feel like listeners need to know, how did that even begin? Like, how did you pick, go from shooting on your phone for Instagram? Or I think you, in my opinion, discovered your photographic voice. Your Instagram feed is pretty moody in its color choices to graduating to the big grown-up camera and then an editing suite on your computer. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot, Christy. 
Yeah, it has been a journey. And yeah, I have to give credit to two people in particular who for me were like speaking into that journey for me because I, I don't know, I'm just such a, I don't know, you know me well, Lisa Joe. like I, I'm not a person with big goals. Like I don't just say, hey, I'm going to go, I'm not fearless in that way. I'm going to go out and learn this new thing. I'm going to conquer that. I'm going to learn that. I'm, I'm kind of hesitant and you know, I just, I go along, I'm easygoing, I do what I do. And yet two people, so first my sister, Kelly Campbell, who, right, used to take, um, still takes gorgeous photographs. But when I first started blogging like a decade ago, she, I would use her photographs because I was not in my mind a photographer and I didn't have the equipment, but I wanted my website, my blog to be beautiful. So I thought, hey, let's collaborate. And she was so um, generous in sharing her art with me. And of course, I always credited her. And that continued even after I moved here to Maplehurst. She visited a couple times, took all these photographs, and I would just reuse those photographs. Like, you know, she came in the fall, I'd use those in the fall. She came in the spring, I'd use those in the spring. Actually, here's a funny story. The first time she visited in the fall, we even staged a few Christmassy photos. Like I pulled out some Christmas decor (laughs) (laughs) because she knew I would need photos. We were going to collaborate on this like Advent project and um, she knew that I would need you know, Christmas at Maplehurst photographs. So she was so generous. Um, but over the years, she would tell me like, Christy, you can do this. You should learn how to do this. You should get a camera. You should learn how to take your own photographs. And I was so intimidated by that. I just thought, no, you're the photographer. I'm the writer. Despite the fact that actually Kelly's a good writer as well. <laughs> but I just, I put us in categories and I was like, nope, I'm in this category. I'm not going to step out of it. That's way too intimidating. So I just didn't, um, I I heard what she was saying, but I was resistant to it. And then another, a friend of mine, a dear friend of mine, many of our listeners know, uh, knew her and know her books, Shelly Miller, who Mm. was herself a really gifted photographer um, before she passed away this past year. Um, She, I remember meeting her once at a conference, some sort of writer conference and hanging out with her in a hotel room. And she, and I did not really know her that well then, um, but Shelly, man, I mean, she would just hear from God and she would just speak up when she heard from God. <laughs> and I remember her looking at me across that room and saying, Christy, you need to get a camera and you need to learn photography. I and I knew when she that. said it, like, oh, that's a real thing I'm hearing. And I'm super scared <laughs> about that. I don't feel able to do that. But I remember sort of filing that away, like, Shelly Miller has spoken, and (laughs) I will hold on to that, even though I'm not brave enough to, like, run out there and buy a camera and and learn how to do it. But I I noted that, and and then I think it was... Yeah, you know, it wasn't too long, you know, within the next couple of years that I had done exactly that. And, um, yeah, bought the camera, found, you know, YouTube was super helpful. I liked it, all these YouTube (laughs) tutorials. I also, um, and this is not product placement here, I subscribed for a while to a great website called Skillshare. And they have all these professional artists and designers and photographers, like all kinds of artistic creative skills represented on the site where you pay a small fee and then you have access to all these teaching videos. So I used those to learn like the basics of um, photography as well as photo editing using Lightshop and and so on. So yeah, you know, I guess I have to say here, like you, you can even in middle age, you know, you can learn new things. And I feel so grateful because 
it's like giving me another language, I think, to um, express beauty, to capture what I see and share it with others. And I just feel immensely blessed. Like, I feel like this is a gift that has been given to me. And to be able to have just one more way of communicating beauty um, is huge. But I have to admit, when we, um, when the idea for this project, this book, first, you know, was being discussed and we were talking to publishers and so on, um, my agent and I were proposing it as if I would write it and photograph in it. But Lisa Joe, in the back of my mind, I was not really believing that. I was assuming really? that the publisher would say like, okay, yeah, we'll take on this project, but we want someone else to take the photographs. And that was like my, <laughs> that was like my what I was telling myself so that I could move forward. <laughs> Your security blanket. <laughs> it was my security blanket. Yeah, I didn't really believe that I would be the one wow. to take the photos because I was so intent. I just felt so inadequate and and didn't think I could do it. So I'm, I'm really grateful that... Um, Others believed in me, even when I didn't see it in myself, and that that was the challenge I needed, the nudge I needed to to learn, to well, try. On and, that yeah. note, I know someone listening is curious. Can you share with us us what photograph, what uh, camera you use for your photographs? Oh and yeah, lens? yeah. You know, it. I, we should link to it. And I'm I'm like looking around here, like where is my camera? I think it's actually downstairs. We'll link to it in the show notes um, because, yeah, I had to do a lot of research. And I'll, I'll share. Like, it's um, it's a really nice camera, but it is not the nicest. So, it's a Canon DSLR. Um, but I used – the description of it would say, like, like, this is not a camera that, like, for high-end wedding photography or, like, the real professional cameras. So, what I was looking for was something that um, was good enough to capture great photos but not so overwhelming in its technical options that I wouldn't even be able to understand them, right? So kind of that middle ground of um, being able to take great pictures, but for the person who is just learning, just getting into this, I was kind of looking for that middle. And then since then, though, I've added on, the fun part now is you can buy new lenses. Yes. <laughs> so John, Jonathan now knows my husband, like everyone saw, I'm like, so been looking at this lens. <laughs> I think it's next on my list. <laughs> and did you use a tripod in the garden or were you mostly holding it? Yeah. So the other thing about take, wanting to take like moody, emotional photos is that I was often working in very low light. And the problem I discovered as I was learning, as I was getting into it, is that low light makes it much harder to capture really clear, focused images. Mm. Um, you get the, the shutter stays open longer to let the light in, which means there's now more time for that image to get shaky and blurry. Mm. So I always pretty much, unless I was dealing with a lot of light and I could just hold it in my hand, I was, you know, I always had it on a, on a tripod or I had it fixed so that the shutter could stay open. It could gather that light, which I think is such a, great metaphor for so many things, um, but also keep the camera perfectly still. One of the things I love so much about this story is this was all transpiring during a year when the world was on lockdown and nobody could come in person to appreciate the gardens at Maplehurst. And I think I can't help but extrapolate. There's so many things in our lives where we are working on something or something is very meaningful to us, but there is the sense that there's no audience or nobody else is appreciating this moment and it feels lonely in the moment. I remember my early years of motherhood, 
at two in the morning with the screaming projectile vomiting baby feeling like, oh my word, like nobody is seeing like this hard, yeah. hard work I'm doing. It's not the same as when I would go into a law office and clock, you know, these huge 18 hour days and everybody could see it and it's on my time card and I'm getting paid well for it. I'm here. I'm anonymous at two in the morning with a screaming baby. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it is still one of my most sacred memories, the sense of the Holy Spirit saying to me in that moment, but Lisa Joe, all of heaven bears witness to this moment. And I think the thought of you in this abundant, glorious flower garden with nobody (laughs) there to bear witness except your lens, yeah, but yet is now captured, it's sort of like pressed flowers in the pages of this book for thousands of people to come and (laughs) visit. And isn't that just how life is? It's just this reminder that just because in the moment we feel like what we're doing is invisible does not mean it will stay that way. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it's one of those, you know, it was good for me to learn, I think this year as well, that the gardening I do, which I assumed was something I loved, yes, but mostly had value because I shared the garden with others, right? So that somehow in my mind, the rose I grew just for myself is somehow not as much as worthy as the rose that then I get to sh- you know show someone else, look, come into my garden, look, here are the roses. And this year really pushed me to realize, oh my, oh my goodness, I received so much from the garden just completely on my own. So if you told me, Okay, Christy, from here on forward, no one is coming into your garden and you're not even sharing the photographs. Lisa Joe, I would keep going. I would just keep going because to create this and to care for it and to then spend time in it is so life-giving. It's so like the, it's like this deep soul satisfaction that I feel as well as all the crazy. I mean, gar- I mean, you'll find this in the book too. Like gardens make you crazy. Like, <laughs> you know, with their, the ways they go wrong and, you know, but even that I need, even that is like, so um, just personally shaping and formational for me. So yeah, even if I knew now, like no one's going to visit your garden, I would still keep going. What a great, woo, what a great lesson for all of us because we live in an age where it's like, if it's not on social media, did it happen? Right. Did it even right. matter? What a great <laughs> reminder that yes, the things that really matter will always matter whether yeah. or not yeah. somebody else sees them or applauds them or likes them. There are intrinsic value because God has called us to do that work. You are the garden maker. <laughs> I yeah, love it so much. Yeah. We should talk about the title a little bit. I know you're waiting still for us to reveal the cover, but we will. We'll get there. <laughs> but the title is such a big part of it. So Garden Maker, of course, you wrote Placemaker. So Garden Maker feels like a good fit, but it's brilliant. Like it's such a brilliant title. Where did that come Uh, from? Yeah, it's funny. Uh, There were, I thought a lot about the title. And I think because Garden Maker was a more obvious choice, I had already been um, using like a hashtag on Instagram, like we are garden makers. And of course, it just flows from placemaker. So I assumed there must be some better title. And I spent a lot of time trying to brainstorm that better title before I realized, no, garden maker. Yeah. So it it was you. It was your idea. For some reason, I thought maybe it was your agent who had come up with it. Yeah, yeah, we definitely talked about it together and we were both of us trying to think is there something something better and at the end of the day we both knew like nah this this is, this it. is it. Yeah. Do you spell yeah. it one word or two? 
Yeah, great, great question. So it has, um, I, I'm still sometimes having to check myself because it is two words. Okay. Even though on Placemaker, we just sort of coined a new word and, you know, Placemaker made it yeah. one word uh, for that book. But here, yeah, it's two words, garden maker, which I think, again, holding up the book, listeners, it looks so good. It's so pretty. <laughs> well, and then the subtitle is really yeah. important too. And I actually it remember is. where I was when I started getting voxes from you about the subtitle and the cover image. I was picking up Indian food. <laughs> I, I was working at our church at the time. I had come out to pick up some Indian food for lunch. And there was a vox from you with images for the cover. And it was the first time I was seeing the subtitle too. Now the subtitle also got a very important tweak. That is one of my favorite parts of the behind the book story, because it's that tweak, I think, that positions the book to truly both draw in and invite a reader, but, but help us understand specifically how your book is different than other gardening books that are out there. Yeah, I think, you know, this is something so funny in the creative process that, like, in your own mind, so in my mind, I knew exactly what the book was, right? Like, I had written it, I had created it, I had envisioned it. Um, I had talked to, you know, my agent and, and the publisher, and the team there about it. And so I knew completely what this book was. But the problem is, or the tricky thing is, or here's the invitation, I guess, is that the rest of you, you don't know what this book is. And so if Christy Purifoy comes out and says, hey, I have another book called Garden Maker, you would be justified, I think, in picturing something exactly like Placemaker, my previous book, but now more focused on the garden. And um, and Placemaker, while related to the content here, is a, is a different book. Um, and so it was only when I was well into the process of thinking about the cover and thinking about the subtitle that... Um, it really hit me really like an unpleasant lightning bolt <laughs> that so far the title and the subtitle that we had chosen did not really tell a potential reader what was unique about this book, what was different about this book, or what to expect with this book. And that is not, it's not fair to them. And um, and I didn't want to mislead because I, I really believed in what the book is. So, um, so the, f the initial subtitle we were playing around with, which you will not see today on the cover, um, was Growing a Life of Beauty and Wonder. And um, I love that subtitle. I felt like it captured, I thought, my heart in this book, that it's it's about more than just growing a garden, but it's about growing our own capacity for, for wonder and awe. Um, and for filling our lives with beauty. And so I thought, great, check, subtitle done. And then this lightning bolt moment where I realized, oh my goodness, people won't know it's actually a gardening book. Right, because <laughs> like, it sounds like, oh, it's like a life fulfillment book right. or a self-help book or right. a spiritual direction book. It's right. so open that and so esoteric. You could read anything into it. And exactly. here's an interesting behind the books fact for our listeners. If you're not familiar with writing and what goes into the business of writing, the interesting thing about writing is in fact that the more specific you are in your writing – 
the more universal the application, which is really the inverse of what you would think. You would think if someone's yeah. more specific about the details of their life that fewer people can relate. But in fact, if you're talking about having a hard day, that feels generic. But if you say something like, I had a hard day because my kid failed his spelling test and forgot his lunch at home... Now that's very specific, but most parents can read themselves now into that moment and they're relating to you at a much deeper level. So when Christy would say growing a life of beauty and wonder, you're kind of like, well, that, that sounds nice. I don't know how it affects me or my life mm -hmm. in particular. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I wondered, oh, wow, do we need to scratch the subtitle completely and come up with something entirely new? And um, I tried that, but at the end of the day, we just tacked on two little words <laughs> just to make it, like you said, really concrete, more specific. And so then the subtitle became Growing a Life of Beauty and Wonder with Flowers. Oh, because so that's good. what the book is about. It's so good. Like <laughs> when you hear that as a reader, you're immediately clear on what this book is. Oh, it's not going to be growing vegetables. It's not going to be lettuce. It's not going to be trees. It's it's going it's to also, be flowers. Yeah, and it's not garden as metaphor, which right. could be lovely. And I've read I've read many like you know spiritual books that that take farming or gardening and explore the metaphor of that. But this it's is literal. talking about actual flowers. Actual flowers. <laughs> literal yeah. flowers, which then immediately opens up the reader to curiosity. Like, oh, I hope she's so. growing yeah. flowers. And what does that look like? And how do I grow flowers? And oh, flowers make my life fill with meaning and wonder and beauty. I hadn't thought mm -hmm. about it. Like the curiosity mm -hmm. factor curiosity. is just ratcheted way off the charts at that point. Yeah, and I think curiosity then is the right word to take into this reveal of what is actually on the cover. Because at the end of the day, when we finally landed on the right choice with your help, Lisa Joe, it was because we wanted, I wanted to spark that curiosity in right. somebody seeing it online or pulling it off a shelf to say, oh, wait, what's this? And, um, and I didn't land there with the first choice. I'll just say that. We, yeah, we should talk about that. So a good way to think about a cover, this is a good behind the books fact too, is a cover is like a door that you want a reader to open. And there are so many doors in a bookstore, especially in an online bookstore. How do they even pick? How do you slow them down enough to want to open your door? And so that's what we were thinking about when we were looking at these different cover images, because the images are beautiful, but you have to ask yourself, does it make the reader want to open the door? So yeah, you should describe what your favorite image was. Yeah. So again, as someone who's just really focuses on beauty, I thought, and I have now learned this is not correct, <laughs> but I <laughs> thought, hey, you take a bunch of pretty pictures and you choose the most beautiful one and voila, cover. <laughs> and so um, in in the images I shared, um, the the excellent cover designer did that and, and took two of just some really beautiful flower photos and um, designed some covers around them. And the first, the first one that I chose that I said, oh my goodness, I love this so much. Um, it was a close-up of this blue flower, which is, you know, rare in flowers, some spring bulbs I had growing in my yard. It was moody. It was, had these blues and greens that I thought were so lovely. And um, I loved it. And I said, Lisa Joe, <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> 
I mean, I loved it too. It was pretty, but part of the question mark was it could be anywhere. It's not necessarily at your garden or in Maplehurst. (laughs) And it's interesting in the same way that Christy wanted the subtitle to try to be specific, that you're growing a life of beauty and wonder with flowers. You wanted the image to convey that there's actual gardening advice in there too. So if you just have an image of a beautiful flower, then is it a gardening book? Is it a book about, you know, arranging flowers? Is it, is the flower just metaphorical for something self-helpy you're going to talk about? And as a lifelong fan of Maplehurst, I so badly wanted something too, where I felt like Christie's place was identifiable, that it sets you apart then, oh, this is not just gardening advice, it's gardening advice from a certain gardener that we've come to love and trust that makes me want to open the door and go into her house. Yeah, I think so. And and thinking as well about the title, Garden Maker, like that's about the person. It's about the maker of the garden. And this is a very personal book. And so to not see First of all, to not see really a garden on the cover, because, you know, it was just that kind of more zoomed in flower. And then to not see a gardener on the cover. Yeah, I I, I realized um, as you and I (laughs) talked about it. And here's the thing, listeners, to know is that Lisa Jo is such a good friend that her first response, you know, was a shared one. Like, this is beautiful. Wow, you're doing it. Yay, you and all the great encouragement. And then as I came back to you, Lisa Joe, and said, you know, I'm, I'm asking some questions about this cover, and I, I'm a little worried that maybe we can do better. And I'll be honest, my inclination in, in that moment is just to say, eh, nah, it's fine. Good enough. <laughs> it's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> and you are such a good friend that you did not, you gently and kindly <laughs> and with encouragement prodded me forward and say, well, you've got time. Let's figure this out. What about this? And you started asking questions and you said, you know, hey, could I even take a look at more of your photographs? Maybe, you know, I'll see something. And and you just, you didn't tell me, Christy, no, you need, <laughs> like, you're right. You need, we need to keep thinking. We need to try another cover. You just nudged me to keep going, to persist in the creative effort at a moment when I just wanted to like tick that box and say, hey, job done, move on, which is my, natural inclination. Um, But you kept pushing me. And you told me, at least this is how I remember it. See how you remember it. You told me, Christy, I think, I I remember I've seen some of your photos. I know you've taken some self-portraits in the garden. Mm -hmm. I think you need to be on that cover. And listener, I am on the cover now, (laughs) but in a particular way. (laughs) I So when we started having this conversation, I had the photo that's now the cover in my mind the whole time. I, a year ago, Christy had shared with me a Dropbox of some of the pictures she'd been taking because I was so curious to come and spy on her process. And she let me in to look at some of her photographs. And I was so struck by a couple times there are pictures of her working in the garden and I had to know, how how did she take that? Did Jonathan take this picture? It's <laughs> so artistic. 
it's beautifully done and it's so Christy because she's not looking at the camera. So she's actually gardening and her face is somewhat obscured. She's wearing her big floppy gardening hat and she has one of these big, beautiful blooms kind of covering the side of her face as she bends down with shears. And I had wanted to know, how did you, how did you take that picture? Because that's crazy. So you have to explain that first before we finally yeah. wrap up our cover reveal conversation because that was so so new to me. Yeah, one of the great things about these newer cameras is that they're wi- like Wi-Fi enabled, so you can actually connect them to your smartphone. So I have an app on my phone that's connected to the camera, which gives me, it's called like a remote shooting option, which means I can set up the camera on the tripod, and then I can step into the frame, and then with the my phone in my hand, I can look at it and sort of see what the camera is capturing. And then sort of hiding the phone, which I'm doing in this photo, I can hit that button to, to take the pictures. And then if it doesn't, and then it shows it to me, if I don't like it, I can kind of shift and take another one. And so, yeah, it's just this remote shooting option where I can actually be in the, in the frame. So the picture that ended up on the cover, funny enough, is, was the first time when I went out and I was trying to no, learn how I to use that. No, it was the first time. That's wild. Yeah. So I was not imagining that I was taking the cover photo. <laughs> I wasn't dressed for it in my mind. I was just like, well, okay, what I have on is like fine. You know, I was actually gardening, I think. And I just thought, you know, let me just try a few and see if they turn out and just figure out how to use this thing because I knew it was going to be important for, you know, capturing more photos of myself in the garden without having to do, yeah, like run off and find a kid or my husband. <laughs> hey, take a picture of me. <laughs> it's one of the so, reasons yeah. I love this photograph. It's why when I saw it that first time a year ago, I had fallen in love with it. It is you in your element. You are dressed not for a cover shoot. You're dressed as a gardener. You are a garden maker. But it's a beautiful outfit. You know, it has whites and blues in it. It has the big floppy hat. It has your gardening boots. It is really you in your element. One of the other reasons I really love this picture, and it's what we were talking about as I was trying to convince you that this is the one, because when we started talking back and forth and you said you'd send me a few photographs to look at, this was one of them. And I immediately said to you, do not even send any of the others to your cover editor. Just send her this. This is the cover. I am. So- I knew a year ago, like this is the cover. One of the reasons too is because you're not just in a garden, you're in your flower garden. In the background, you can see your gardening shed and it has a very unique profile to it. It's on, it's featured often in your Instagram feed. It places you immediately at Maplehurst in a specific flower garden. And so everything about that shot is just you as a gardener saying, to the reader, open the door, come into my garden at Maplehurst. It's so beautiful. <laughs> it's just the most perfect picture. And that's what we realized. A cover photograph actually isn't the most perfect aesthetically or staged or beautiful photograph. What makes it perfect for a cover is it's doing a very unique thing. It is inviting a reader in. It isn't trying to be the most beautiful photo you ever saw. It's trying to be the most invitational, the most welcoming, the most specific to the place where the gardening is happening. And I hope, listener, you have pulled up on Amazon as we're speaking, Garden Maker by Christy Purifoy, so you can see for yourself. And then you need to message Christy on Instagram and let her know you agree with me at Christy Purifoy (laughs) that this is the perfect 
perfect picture for her cover. <laughs> yeah, and I think, Lisa Joe, that is probably a really great point to end this conversation with. And that is this, this idea that whether we're writing books <laughs> and creating covers or whatever we're doing, if we're seeking to be invitational, hospitable, welcoming, connect with others, whether in our hospitality or just in our communication and our conversation, often we can feel, an, and this is me, number one, I can feel that what I need to offer is my most perfect, my most beautiful, and, and so in that sense, then the most persuasive message or um, whatever it is I'm offering in order to convince, in order to be then the most welcoming and the most, um, you know, open to others. And I think what this cover image proves to me is exactly what you just said, that no, no, it isn't actually sometimes perfection or the prettiest and the most beautiful. Um, it's something more real than that. And, and of course, like, Beauty is absolutely real, and I think this image has that too. But this is beauty that that speaks of very particular places and very particular work. And as particular as, yeah, the white garden shed that is the backdrop of my garden. And just like you said earlier, I hope in those specifics and in those details and in the realness of this place and this garden and my work in it, that everyone who picks up this book is now sort of invited into my space in order to be ushered into their own space more deeply. Because really, at the end of the day, that's, that's what I want most of all out of this book, is that the connection I have grown between me and my place, and the connection I have deepened between me and this place and my maker, my creator, who is always present here with me, and how nourishing and life-giving those connections have been, um, I want more people, I want everyone hearing this to be able to cultivate those kinds of connections as well. And I think our world and our culture does a disservice when it says like, hey, gardening is just for some people. It's just for those with green thumbs. It's just with those with lots of land. It's just for, for those people over here. And I want to say, No, in some form, it is for everyone. God made us and placed us in a garden, and that is a real thing. And it's also a metaphor. It means lots of other things as well. The the truth of it is wide and deep. But part of that truth is we were made to have our, our hands in the dirt, our feet on the ground, and to be involved in the beauty of creation. And that invitation is for everyone. I love that. Well, listeners, this has been our first episode of Behind the Books. (laughs) We hope you've enjoyed it. I'm sure there'll be many more. And please go ahead now, click through the link in the show notes and pre-order your copy of Garden Maker, which, Christy, comes out when? Comes out at the end of January 2022. So it's going to show up, I think, right at the perfect time for garden reading when we're all ready to plan and dream for another year in the garden. If you enjoyed today's conversation, won't you take a moment right now, open up that podcast app and look for the subscribe button right next to our podcast profile image. And we think this podcast is best enjoyed with friends. So tell a friend, click share episode in your podcast app and send a friend our link.